Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members, Eyal, emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers. So you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. Got a special treat for you guys today. I have got one of the co-authors for Game Changers for Government Contractors here with me. His name is Eric Doc Wright. A lot of you know him on LinkedIn. He's out there doing all the cool videos. Eric, I think you're like you're one of like three other people in our space doing videos. So <laughs> you know, kudos to you for that. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do for those that don't know you? Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me on the podcast today, Mike. This is uh, this is awesome, brother. What a treat. Hey, um, so yeah, Eric Doc Wright, Navy vet, uh, Gulf War, uh, activated in the Guard. So Army vet, Title Ten orders post nine eleven. And I was at DOD for a while. I was in public sector for a while, private sector for a while, uh, university for a while. And I finally said, hey, you know, I want to help military veterans have a better transition than I did. So I took 500 bucks and a vision and started uh, what would become Vets to PM and uh, then leveraged that success. Got, you know, Vets to PM training placement company. I get them to the front door, help vets achieve meaningful, lucrative careers, cyber, HR, project management. And then a couple of business execs from industry called and said, Hey bro, it's like, like you get them to the front door, but can you help us help them after we hire them? And I'm like, sure I can. So I co-founded a nonprofit uh, 18 months old, already crushing it, already in the black, taking care of hundreds of veterans every year. Uh, and it basically, Mike brings together industry project managers and program managers, and they take on veteran mentors, uh, mentees, and they uh, mentor these folks. So help them develop that context that much faster. So man, I can't believe they pay me for this every day when I wake up, bro, helping other people achieve yeah. meaningful, lucrative careers. Yeah. How how awesome is that? You know, when you, when you talk to people who are actually 
living their dream. You know, I know you you do a lot of speaking and you are very well known for your energy and that sort of thing. And people are like, how do you get this way? And I'm like, well, when you like what you do, it's a whole <laughs> lot easier to have that kind of energy on stage than when you hate every moment of it. So, you know, you, it's just so obvious that you really love what you do. And that, that's one of the things I really like about you. You know, it's kind of like over the hedge, bro. You remember when Hammy like drinks the speed drink and it like slows him down? <laughs> yeah. That's my wife won't let me have this, yeah. the speed drinks anymore because she's like, dude, you're just and people think, oh, you're super hyper caffeinated or you must be on a Red Bull or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, I wake up. My my transition was horrible. And I get to wake yeah. up every day now and make sure that the next guy or gals isn't. That is yeah. quite enough fuel bro to like get the job done you know yeah i mean that is you know not to to steal it right out of the gate here but that's a game changer for a lot of people to be doing something they love like that especially when it is so personal that it it kind of makes up for the history of yourself of going through those bad things that there's a lot of of why i do what i do that's based in that same thing because i remember when i first started my own business we were struggling and we we didn't know what to do we were just I was arrogant, thought I could, you know, do these types of things, didn't know anything. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know a lot of a lot of the stuff. I just thought, hey, I've been a golden child in this area. I everybody's gonna want me, you know, and, and they didn't. And I remember how lonely it was. I know it's a little off topic, but I, I remember how lonely it was when I thought, well, who do you talk to about that? Yeah. Like, like who do you reach out to to help get over these hurdles of marketing and sales and you know, dealing with clients and helping clients, but also the pressure it puts on your family. Because, you know, there, there's no one more unforgiving than your family of, hey, you know, we were supposed to go to Disney and now we can't even go to Walmart. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> you know, this is a problem and you need to fix it, dad. You know, that that's yeah. an issue. So um, it, it's awesome when you get to correct, you know, a, a mistake from your own past. That's really cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So today we were going to talk about your chapter in Game Changers a little bit. And I know you wrote about the 10 must do's for veteran owned small businesses. I know we don't have time for all 10, but I think we're going to cover maybe three or so. So why don't you kick us off with the first big must do for veteran owned small businesses? All right. So now I know that you hear this all over LinkedIn and social media. Got to have a story, got to have a story, got to have a story, like whatever. But let me give you some context on, on what kind of story you need to have right? And those are the top three I'm going to share with you today, Michael, is the ones that in my mind, I'm a very simple guy. I, in fact, I've been accused of oversimplifying stuff, right? Um, so I oversimplify stuff or I overanalyze stuff. So yeah. I, like no, nothing in between, but basically I'm standing at a conference. I'm getting ready to speak to 500 veteran business owners. And, you know, I, I just got introduced to somebody through a mutual friend and I'm standing there talking to this business and I say like, cool, bro. So tell me what you do. You know, well, it's kind of complicated. Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> You're probably not going to close any sales yeah, after that yeah. if that's your opening line, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I read a book a couple months later. So this is out in San Diego. I read a book a couple months later by a guy named Donald Miller. And Michael, I thought I knew a thing or two, bro, but this guy totally changed my mind and heart on the way I market and talk about my company and my nonprofit. And it basically is, you know, it literally burns calories, your brain burns calories as an organ to think. Yeah. So he's got this concept, bro. Like don't get on a mental treadmill. If you put your customers on a mental treadmill and you make them work out to understand who you are, what you do and what they can buy from you, you just lost, right? Everything's got to be three or less on the treadmill. Otherwise they're not getting on the treadmill. So now every time I write a copy, every time I shoot a video and script it out, every time I go give a presentation, I literally litmus test it and say, okay, is what I'm about to say three on a treadmill. 
could a 10 year old follow me and walk to the right. logical place I'm going to take them? So it's not enough just to have a story, who I am, what I do, who I do it for, how it helps them and where can they get it? You got to know that stuff. But the opening line can't be, well, it's kind of complicated. Right. If somebody says, hey, Eric, what do you do? I'm like, well, my for-profit, I help veterans achieve meaningful, lucrative careers. For my nonprofit, I help veteran project managers assimilate back into the civilian workforce so that they can be productive, better, faster, quicker, cheaper. And people invariably say, oh, wow, tell me about that. Tell me about, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's three yeah, or less on sense. a treadmill. That's right. And it starts a conversation. So know your story, but give it in a compelling manner that's three or less on a treadmill. Yeah. That's uh, that's the I think that's number six in episode six in the book. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the the challenge for a lot of people that I see is every time someone meets anyone, they look at at every conversation as this could be the lottery ticket and I've got to hit a home run. I've got to tell them everything back to my mother's womb. Like I got, I've got to go that deep into the story and tell them everything because if I leave one thing out, they may say no. And like, my thing is if you don't leave anything out, you've left no room for them to talk. Like yeah. there's no room for them to like, what questions can they ask if you literally go back? And I, and I jokingly use the mother's womb. I, I was at this training one time and everybody's supposed to get up and tell, Hey, give us, five minutes who you are what you do he gets up and says in order to really understand my story i have to go back to before i was born so in my mother's womb before i was born i was already and i thought oh my god are you kidding me <laughs> and it literally like they couldn't shut the guy it was one of those like remember in the in the old tv shows where they come out with the the hook on the stick and like pull them off stage I'm like yeah, they literally yeah. had to do that to get this guy to shut up because he wanted to go back that far. And and that's all people remembered about him was how irritating this was, <laughs> you know? And, and so I, I think there's so many times where we just want to regurgitate literally everything possible instead of really sticking to the facts and bringing people in. Like bring them in and get them involved so they can actually participate in the conversation. That's a, that's a whole different conversation. So I, I love that one. That's one of my favorite ones. And you, and Michael, as you're talking, bro, like you don't know how to tailor what you're going to say to that person. Yeah. If it's 19 minutes of this convoluted you and you have no idea who they are, or what they want, you don't know how to help them. And if you don't know how to help them, you don't know how to present your goods and services yeah. and your capabilities in a manner that can help them. Right. Exactly. I, I tell people all the time, it's like sales is easy because I don't sell stuff. I understand who my clients are. I understand what gives them pleasure and I understand what makes them hurt. Yeah. And I just present solutions that can help them achieve whichever one of those they're looking for. They walk themselves to the solution they want, bro. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it, it, it's a great example. And, you know, I, when uh, when I first got into coaching, I was kind of so, oh, we help business owners and sales and marketing and business development, all these kind of things. You know, that was like my 15 years ago pitch. And then I got to the point very quickly where I did two things. One of them was I ditched the business card. So I, I didn't I didn't bring business cards with me. I know that irritates Josh. Josh, if you're listening, I know it irritates you. That's why we have bookmarks for me. <laughs> I'll show you about that after the podcast. We got bookmarks. Um, but uh, we ditched the business card and I ditched the pitch. So like when somebody would come up to me in one of the networking things and say, so Mike, tell me what you do. I'd say, well, in order to really understand what I do, why don't you tell me what you do? And like, that's, that's where we would start. Love and, it. And, and so they would start talking about what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, tell me, what what is your biggest challenge right now? You know, and like, oh, my biggest challenge is sales. So then they we keep digging, digging, digging. And finally, at some point, they say, well, tell me a little bit more about what you do. I'm like, thanks for asking, Eric. You know, what I do is I work with business owners to really help them improve their sales. 
And here's how, I love it, and here's dude. How I we improve sales. So I literally, I could help in any area, but you don't care about hiring and marketing and all this stuff. You care about the weakness, which is sales, which I had you tell me. And now we can talk about that. You know, when if you're in government listening to this, you that should sound familiar. Because we're always talking about never bring your capability statement. Go have a conversation, find their pain points, get in your car on your laptop and customize the capability statement and send them that. So it's, it's literally just about what you just talked about and not that draft that you've been, you know, sitting on. You know, I always tell clients, you could have 30 capability statements, you know, and they're in different colors and whatever. Like, don't send one to the army that has airplanes on it, put tanks on the freaking thing. You know, that's right. I, I mean, that's right. you customize it to your audience. So, you know, I, I love talking about these examples and stuff, but I know I want to get to the next point because I know you got it. Well, it's, you know, the point. trick is this, right? Dial everybody into their favorite radio station with them. Yeah. What's in it for me? It's not about what you want. It's about yeah. what they need and want, right? Dial them into that radio Heck station. Yeah. Let them listen to what they love. You know, they'll and, find you. And they'll love it forever. They will. Yep. They'll love it yep. forever. So good stuff, man. Point, point number two that we want to cover. What's, what's that one? Yeah, that's the fifth lesson too, brother. And this is this is right behind, like super close second by a split second. Like, tell me about what you do. Oh, it's kind of complicated, Michael. I'd have to go back to my mom's womb, you know. So, so yeah. you, you got you got twenty minutes, man. Sit down. Okay. The second one is cool. So tell me about your business. So they they hurdle that one, right? They're good. They're on the track. They're moving. They're picking up pace. Their cadence good, getting good. Here comes second hurdle. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. How are you doing? Kind of tell me financially. Like, how do you know how you're doing? How do you judge your success? Whatever. Uh, well, um, okay, cool. Never mind. I'm going to make it three on the treadmill for you, brother. What's your yeah. current cash on hand on your balance sheet? Uh, well, um, okay, never mind. What's your income? What was your net profit? Uh, well, um, so there's your income statement. And I'm like, okay, look, man. You need, like when you get in the car and you drove here, right? Like you looked at the gas level. You looked yeah. maybe at the speed. Uh, you used your blinkers, like a couple things on your dashboard were key for you to get here to this session today, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Bro, you need to know whether you can make payroll. You need to know whether you can pay the light bill. You need to know whether you can buy materials to make something, uh, that widget and sell next week. Like you need to know how many of those widgets you need to sell to pay the people making your widgets. Like basic stuff, man. Like, you know, this, we're not building rockets here. You may, you may be in the business of building and selling rocket ships, but running right, the business right. of building rocket ships shouldn't be rocket science. You have to, and, and I'm not just talking about uh, lagging indicators like cash on hand. I'm talking about leading indicators too. But how do you know if you're any good at doing what you do, if you're not using a couple key indicators, like what's your cash on hand? What's your retained earnings to balance sheet things I watch? I, I look at the rest of the balance sheet every month, but those ones are key. What's right. my cash on hand? What's my net income? Am I making money or losing money? Am I selling yeah. stuff or not selling stuff? Is it costing me more to make stuff to sell stuff? Or, you, dude, you got to know that stuff about your business. Otherwise, it's a hobby, man. Yeah. It's a lifestyle yeah. company. It's not yeah. a business. And you're never going to be able to grow beyond yourself and make, you know, multi-millions or whatever you want to do. Right. Right. You know, there, there's no sports team that goes on the field without knowing the scoreboard. Like they just don't. Like it, It's completely worthless to walk out on the field not knowing where you are. I, I can't tell you how many times I have had a consult with a client and they're they're failing. They're miserably failing. And I sit down and say, well, why do you think you're doing well? Because like you were very upbeat when I met you. And it's like, oh, man, well, sales are just crushing it, this, that and the other. And I'll sit down and it's one of two things. Usually it's expenses or it's uh, receivables. One of those two are way out of whack. 
And I sat down with this one woman one time, and I'll never forget. I said, well, what what's your you know income and expenses? And she's like, well, I don't know. He's like, I just know there's nothing in the checking account. And I said, well, well, we're, go get your stuff. We'll figure this out in 15 minutes. And she comes back with a shoebox, and we start adding it up. And she's like, well, I'm spending $22,000 a month, but I'm only making ten. Like, well, that explains it. You know, yep. uh, that explains it. And there, there was one of our clients where I sat down with this guy and it was so funny. He was like, we're just crushing it, just crushing it. And, but I don't know what, I don't know what the problem is. And I was like, well, Jim, why don't you tell me a little bit about, you know, your receivables right now? He starts going through the receivables. I said, I said, hold up a minute, pull up your receivables. And he was like, what do you mean? I pull it up. Where's it at? And he goes, oh, it's just in my head. And so this, this example will blow your mind. I yeah, like, mental accounting is a bad I, tool technique, bro. Yeah, <laughs> mental accounting is a bad tool when it's a few thousand dollars. I said, okay, we're going to make a note here. We're going to put it on paper. 15 minutes later, and we weren't done, we had $900,000 in accounts receivable in his head. And I'm like, I'm like, when's the last time you sent a note to any of these people? He's like, gosh, it's probably been months. I'm like, well, that's that, why you're you not collecting. That's right. You can't pay payroll with that. You can't pay light bills. You can't yeah. buy materials. Like you can't do anything if they got your money. Yeah. I was like, so if we collected half of this, you would be profitable? It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, we would be. So I mean, it was literally the strategy, you know, of, of like, okay, we're going to actually send invoices to these people. <laughs> we're going to get it out of your head. We're going to assign one person on your team you know, to do this. And, you know, it's just so funny. So like knowing your numbers is one of those things, like you can't invest in marketing like because you don't know what's working. You yep. don't know what, you don't know what's failing. Like you don't know anything. So yep. I just, I don't, I don't know how people do it, but they do it every single day. And if, if you're a veteran getting into this, like you've got to wrap your head around those numbers or else you're going to be like Jim, the fictitious Jim here where like he literally has $900,000 in receivables just sitting out there doing nothing. So, you know, and let's let, Hey, Michael, let's real quick, man, truth in lending, right? Let's let, uh, the, the small and mids off the hook here. I am amazed at some of the big clients I've consulted with in the past, bro, or that I've worked for. Oh yeah. And you literally sit in the exec meetings and you're like, wait a minute, you guys don't know the basic X's and O's of what we're doing here. Do you? We're literally winging this. You just have enough money and enough dumb luck that you've lasted three decades right, or right, five exactly. decades or whatever. And it's like, oh my gosh, you don't even have any idea where the dials and levers are to turn to no. see what it does. No, no. And you're right. I, I've talked to uh, 250, $500 million companies that when I start asking about KPIs and drilling into these numbers, it's total deer in the headlight. Or just <laughs> the, the other thing that really blows my mind is when it's complete denial. You know, like, oh, we don't have a problem with that. But wait a minute, you just told me, you know, this number over here, that says you have a problem with that. You know, we were, we were talking with a client recently where they have a hundred percent turnover in one of their departments. And I said, so you have a lot of problems. Uh, one of them is probably recruiting. No, no, we don't have any problem recruiting. Well, what's the salary you give? And it was a crazy salary. I'm not even going to say it because if they hear the podcast, they're going to know I'm talking about them. It was an insane salary. And I said, if I was a janitor and I saw that and could apply and get the job, even if I could only have that salary for three months, it's more than I'd make in a freaking year doing my other job. So you probably got a flood of resumes coming in and you have no process on how to figure out who the right person is to put in a job. And But your thing is, I'm just going to pay him six months before I fire him, <laughs> you know, which, which you're eventually going to do. So like no metrics, no process, 
complete deniability. I, I actually think the higher you get in revenue, the more foolishness I see. Like I, I do like the smaller companies don't have a lot of room for foolishness because they go out of business too fast where the That's big right. ones, the big ones have so much revenue to play with that they can just do silly things. I was talking the other day about this one where I worked at general dynamics back in the day and we went to this conference and they sponsored the ice cream break at a conference of 4,000 people. Now it already sounds ridiculous, right? <laughs> but the, the ridiculous thing was when you open the package our logo was stamped in chocolate on that ice cream. Now tell me how much that costs. <laughs> you know, we, nobody, we had been in a payroll freeze at that company for a year and they're stamping logos in chocolate. It, it, it just flabbergasting blow, blow your mind. The things that people do and not have any idea why they're not growing or why their employees are upset. So, and they probably so. don't have a metric on what they thought the return on that investment would be, so they no. can't even tell you whether it worked or not, bro. No, 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 no metric. And, I, and I'll tell you, you know, when one of the things, the basics, I know we teach you probably teach when it comes to marketing is you've got to have some sort of code, uh, click something to track where it came from. Right? There is nothing clickable or trackable about. Uh, you know, chocolate stamped in ice cream. So like mm -hmm. there's, there's nobody that's going to say, you know, Oh, well I'm going to use coupon code ice cream. Like it's not there. And that was back in like 2004. So they didn't have that stuff, but you know, it's just so wild to not even have any idea where your investment's going. So. Yep. Yep. Crazy. Stuff. You're right. A small, a small can't, you can't, I can't stamp ice cream, bro. Like, you know, we're, we're killing it and we're flush. Like by any metric you put us under, like we're crushing it both on the nonprofit side of the house and the for-profit side of the house. But brother, I've never had a day where I thought, Hey, you know, there's that extra little pile. I don't have anything allocated for. I think I'll go stamp some chocolate ice cream. Yeah. Let's just do that. That would be awesome. You know? So cool, man. Number three, what is number three on our list here? Yeah, number three, man, and this especially gets more important, you know, as the company gets bigger, gets more mature, ages. Um, but it's really clearly communicating your culture often. And what I mean by that is I'm not talking about a bunch of platitudes hanging in nice yeah, frames yeah. on my conference room walls and stuff, right? What I'm talking about is what do you believe as a person, as a boss, as a father, as a human being? What do you yeah. believe? What do you value? And then do you set yourself up to be able to exercise or demonstrate those beliefs and stress test them if you can in front of your folks? I mean, my COO has this wonderful story he loves to tell. He embarrasses me a wee bit when he tells it, but he loves to tell it. He's like, no. So one time we bring the boss this thing and it's, we're going to make some kill revenue off this, right? But is it a commitment to excellence? Is it above the standard or are we just kind of mailing it in? I'm like, hey man, I think it's great. Except, you know, I, I, I have this question about this one part. And he said that moment for him crystallized. Well, I know where that third value comes from, right? We have integrity and commitment and excellence. That's it, ice, right? Um, do you enter every transaction? Do you take care of every customer? Do you take care of every vendor with ice, right? In your veins. So we could have made some extra money, but we'd have had to skimp a little bit on the excellence. And the boss didn't say no. The boss just asked a simple question. And we all kind of looked at each other and thought, nope, the answer is no, we can't say that we, we are. So we didn't do it. And, you know, some people would say, hey, so you left some revenue on a table, but, but how much is that social capital worth now that the COO sees, hey man, okay, so now I know how the CEO does this stuff. Okay, so that's how I'm gonna do this stuff. So your job is to clearly communicate your culture often. Once a month, at least, I talk about one of our values, or I give an example of somebody demonstrating one of our values, one of the team members. 
and I applaud them in front of everybody. I mean, it just, it reinforces what we do and why we do it and how we do it. And it matters because of who we do it for, right? Our military veterans, their spouses, uh, our war fighters, our nation and its economy, right? Like that stuff matters, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I would say you got to be able to clearly communicate your culture and share in the decision-making, make what you believe transparent stress test it in front of them, give them opportunities to stress test their values and beliefs, figure out what theirs are, align the two. I mean, it just, it sounds simple. It sounds simple, but it's one of the fundamental blocks and tackles. If you can't keep the linemen out of your line, your quarterback's not making a throw. Like it's basic stuff. And if they can't make a throw, we can't punch it in the end zone. We can't score a goal. We lose. And it's not because we didn't, you know, it's not because we, I mean, we can't even score much less did we score enough. Right, right. Right. So it's all about, I just always try to keep it about blocking a tackle. So the book game changers is a great book. You've got a bunch of experts sharing X's and O's with you from their respective, uh, uh, you know, areas of expertise. There's another book, uh, the game of business written, you know, to like an eighth grade level. Here's the basic blocking and tackle. And here's how you run a bit. I mean, books like that, man, I just absolutely love, right. They, they're, they're not written in theory, and, and for the esoteric, they're written about how do I get up every day, bring value, take care yeah. of my marketplace, take care of my employees, do the right thing, you know, by society and the company and the balance sheet and the income statement. And like, you can balance it all, man. You, but you, it's, it takes conscious effort to do it. Yeah. So you got to yeah. say what it is, communicate it, live it and do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the the things that I see a lot in in smaller organizations, uh, I just see this in the bigger ones a lot. Bigger ones, they you don't even know if they have culture, but in, in the smaller <laughs> ones, they're they're trying this stuff and they sit down, they create it. Maybe they put it on the wall, maybe they don't. They when they hire somebody, they talk about it, and then that's it. Usually, it kind of goes somewhere, and you know, there's so much focus on the day to day and you know keeping your head afloat or servicing customers or whatever that they don't use that culture, what it's designed for. I mean, it's really designed to be a filter for decision-making and just the way you operate. And, uh, you know, I, lo- I love the example you gave there about saying, well, it doesn't quite fit that. You know, there's a question about that third piece there, and, and that's that's how we're going to make a decision. Because, you know, to me, as like the owner, the CEO, whatever you want to call them in these businesses, you know, our people are our biggest asset. And, and those are the people, like, if we sow into those people, like I was telling you earlier about my daughter doing LinkedIn stuff for me. Like, if I'm sowing into her, showing her this stuff, it's not just going to pay off for her. It's going to pay off for me. It's going to yep. pay off for the company. It's going to pay off for anybody else who's working alongside her to actually get this stuff ingrained in them. And and the, the hard part is, and this is kind of ironic, we just talked about KPIs, right? We just talked about measuring things. It's really hard to measure goodwill but it's really easy to see it. Oh, amen, brother. You you can see it, but you can't measure it. So like you, you can't say, well, what's the metric on the goodwill I just put in? Well, just keep putting it in, you know, just keep doing the right thing. And so it's, it's so hard. So a lot of people are like, well, I don't know how that's going to translate to revenue. Like, well, there's a lot of ways. (laughs) There's, there's just so many that you can't even count. You know, one of those being, you're not going to have to replace that person. You know, if you can keep the same people, you know, for years and years and years, you know, like even what Josh and I are doing, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't like to brag about a lot, a lot of things, but you know, Josh and I have known each other for 20 years, 20 years. We've been working together in a business together for almost eight years together. Um, and it's just one of those things. I know my values. I know his values. We know where we are and you know, we've got each other's back always, yep. always. And, and we have more than once been on a call 
and had Skype open. And one of us said, this client isn't for us. And the other one said, you're absolutely right. It's not a good fit. And, and, you know, it's just, you know, being able to live that out is so hard for some people because they don't they don't really get it. I think so. I'm, I'm really glad you talked about that. Do you have any other um, examples for people on how to communicate it? Because you gave some examples about talking about it, in, you know, once a month and recognizing some of the employees. Any other ways to communicate, even just one or two ways of how to continually communicate that? I mean, Michael, we actually use it in our performance conversations, dude. So like, you know, hey, what things do you feel like you did to advance the company in the last 90 days? What uh, deliverables did you produce? What projects did you work on? Like whatever. And of course, you already know the answer, right? Because you know your people. You've taken time to figure, you know what they're working on. You have a, we have a weekly standup. I know what everybody's doing. But I ask them, hey, did you do that with integrity? Give yourself a plus or a minus before you come to the meeting. Think about your top three contributions for the last 90 days. Give yourself a plus or a minus. I'm going to give you a plus or minus. Yeah. We're going to get together and talk about whose yeah. pluses and minus line up and whose don't. And yeah, then we yeah. have a conversation about pluses and minuses. And what I basically try to instill in my folks, my, you know, my, my players, because I'm the coach, right? I can forgive and train errors of omission, errors of commission, mistakes. What I can't are lapses in your character, yeah. right? So if you choose not to demonstrate integrity with this customer or excellence with that project or commitment to the company on this facet, but you choose voluntarily to be here, but you choose not to do those things, those are choices. And you're making choices that degrade the capability and the effectiveness of the team, which degrades our capabilities to the customer in the marketplace, which degrades our contribution to the national uh, economy and, and frankly, our national defense. We deal with veterans, force readiness and retention, right? I can't accept errors in judgment like that because you're choosing to make yeah, them. The and if you want to choose to make them, it's okay, bro. Just go play for another team. Yeah. We're trying to win a dynasty full of rings over here, right? Yeah, yeah the Browns are hired. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, for me, it's simple. So it's in our performance yeah. conversations. It's not just, and Michael, it means it's simple, bro. It's a plus yeah. or minus. Yeah. Check yourself off. It's not some convoluted 19-page handbook policy manual. Yeah. It's not, man. Are you living ice? If you are, cool. Let's keep crushing it. If you're not, let's talk about how, how to help you get ice in your veins. Yeah. If you don't want to, because this is the second time we've talked about your lack of commitment here. Well, guess what? There's a team down the street hiring because I'm not going to let you pull the rest of the team down. That's it's right. just, it makes it really simple and it makes it less hard because you're talking about behavior. You're talking about choices and behavior. You're not talking about the person. You might be a great person. If you don't want to operate with commitment, hey man, I don't care. Just don't do it here. Right, here right. it matters, right? right. So anyway, right. Yeah, no, I, I love those examples. Super, super simple. It, it, but I, I think those are important to, for people to hear, like how to have those conversations and kind of how, you, how you're doing that, even the, the plus minus thing. Because again, there's so much of the theory that's out there that people don't know how to apply. Because I'll tell somebody to do something and I usually follow with this question. So do you know how to do it? Because if you don't know how to do what I just told you, then that's where we're going to spend the rest of the coaching session. That's because right. It's, it, 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 I could give you six things to do. And if you don't know how to do them, you're not going to do anything because you're not going to figure it out. So let's right. walk you through figuring it out. And and I think, you know, what, what your example there is demonstrating not only how to do it, but 
as you kind of walk through why you should do it. You know, it's the, the other people, the other people that get dragged down. That was always my biggest pet peeve about leadership was I call it the the school style leadership where, OK, one of the kids was acting up in the hallway. So now everybody's resets gets taken away. Yep. So we're going to punish everyone because one person screwed up. One person did something wrong. So instead of addressing them, because we don't want to single anybody out. Nope. You can't do that. You know, we want to punish everybody. And I'm like, I, again, I like what you said there about it's not about the person. It's about the behavior. Let's fix the behavior. The person's probably a good person. They just didn't know. They made a mistake, you know, yep. unless you find out that, oh, no, they consciously are just a horrible person, <laughs> you know, because because that happens. But, you know, like dealing with the behavior is easy to deal with. And it's I always tell people, do not ever attack my character. If I said something wrong, don't don't think it's my character because it's not my character. It's the fact that I have no filter. And that's different. <laughs> it's a different yeah. thing. You, you know, that's why I just tell my wife and kids. It's, it's, it's my lack of filter. Why I said whatever. Uh, it's not a character thing. So, you know, and it helps you suss out too. So that trick, by the way, I mean, uh, it's from a book, uh, Traction, Gino Wickman, but it helps me. One of the things that fascinates me in my own research as a business philosopher is that goodwill you mentioned, yeah. right? So Dan Ariely, a professor of psychology at Duke talks about it like this. So there's the, what I got to do minimum, mail it in to keep my job. Yep. And then there's some unknown to the boss. The only person that knows it in the whole world is me. There's my top line capability. Yeah. And on any single given day or any single given project or task, I can meet the standard so I don't get fired and I can go above it and I can fluctuate, right? Yep. Yep. Even down to the task minute level. So your trick as, as, as the coach is how do I get everybody giving me a little bit more than mailing it in? So are you doing it with integrity? Check. Are you doing it with commitment? Check. If you're going to have integrity, do what you said, which means you're going to commit, do it with excellence. Now, yeah. I understand not everybody in the world's me. I'm a horrible barometer. I don't expect you to be me. I don't expect you to sleep three hours a night if you got something to do the next morning at eight, right? I'm not saying that's a healthy way to do stuff. What I am saying though is, can you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I did this with integrity. I did this with commitment and I did this with excellence. It's personal to you. And if you did, you're probably a wee bit above, somewhere above and in yeah. between yeah, yeah. minimum and maximum. And man, if everybody on the team is doing a wee bit more than mailing it in, the synergy is incredible, man. Yeah. It's incredible. And, and, and it, it's just, it's a team of everybody pulling everybody up yep. instead of like, you know, trying to drag somebody along, you know, that sort of thing. And, and everybody notices it. I notice it when a leader steps up and says, we are not going to put up with Bob who is late every day, who takes, you know, 30 minute coffee breaks. When they step up and put an end to that garbage, even if Bob sticks around, but fixes his attitude, everybody else notices, everybody yep. else notices. And they notice you're actually living the culture instead of taking me to task on culture in a meeting, but letting Bob do whatever he wants. Cause he's a top producer. I had a call with somebody Recently, and they're like, well, I can't do anything about this person because, you know, they produce, you know, 45% of our revenue. I'm like, you better fire them. Given what you just, you need to fire them because nobody else is going to produce because they get away with murder. Yep. And, yep. They, and they know it. So great discussion. All amazing tips. Any final words from you for our listeners? Well, I would say don't go it alone, right? So if you're going to jump into the the pool that's entrepreneurship, you know, it's the, it's one of the sexiest topics you can talk about yeah, now. It's yeah. in Wired, it's in Inc. Magazine, it's, you know, uh, uh, like it's in har every Harvard business review, whatever. It's all over LinkedIn. But what they don't tell you about the entrepreneurship pool when you dive in, man, there's lots of small print, bro. I mean, like, yeah. 
it's being married a hundred X, right? Like <laughs> you better make sure that you want to do this. You can do this. Uh, you're going to enjoy doing it. You're going to be able to attract other people that want to do it, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, and there's no quit, man. If you shut up shop, like your people on payroll disappear and you harm those families and your customers don't get their goods and service, their needs and wants and desires met, uh, you either sell that thing and exit or you take it public or you do something. So um, what I would say is, you know, it's, it's not a hobby. If you're going to jump in, jump in, get a team of professionals. If it means you eat ramen for three weeks of the month, hire a lawyer, brother, hire an accountant, <laughs> yeah. hire some people who are smart about how to do business without getting thrown in jail and sued so that you can do the business to do in the business. Yeah. Right. And it's worth every penny. You know, I used to say that stuff as a business professor. Hey, make sure you hire you like your accountant and your lawyers and stuff. And it's like, because that's what the textbook said to say. Yeah, yeah. Until the first time I made a $40,000 error because my attorney didn't catch it. Because, oh, I didn't hire an attorney, Michael. I figured oh, I'd yeah. figure it out on legal Zoom, right? <laughs> like, you know, 19 bucks yeah. for a template, bro. I'm good. So, yeah. so, so <laughs> get the experts on the team doing the X and O blocking and tackling. So you can go win championships, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, simple, simple stuff, but so powerful when you implement it properly. So all good stuff. Thanks for being on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for contributing to the book. And we, we were talking earlier, there's a couple more books that we're working on right now. So everybody, if you're listening, be on the lookout for a couple more books that Eric and I are, are partnering on to, to do. And um, just thanks so much for everything you do for veterans as well. Hey, I appreciate it, Michael. And, uh, you know, been trying for most of my adult life to be an author. So contributing author is a real easy way to get in the pool, man. So yeah. I would, you know, thanks for the opportunity, bro. It's been a, it's been quite an experience for sure. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash Game Changers.